chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and have come to pay homage for him. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler, who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men, and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go, and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had, been, that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So this will be the last of Anne Weems' poems from Kneeling in Bethlehem. But have no fear, I also have Kneeling in Jerusalem for Lent. <laughs> this is entitled, God So Loved the World. The story of Jesus Christ is this. The people of this earth waited for a Messiah, a Savior, and only God would send a little baby king. The child grew and began to question things as they were, and the man moved through his days and through the world, questioning the system of kings and priests and marketplace. He was called the new creation, the new covenant, the Son of God, who brought all who listened, who saw, who understood change and new life. But kings and corporations and churches of this world work very hard to keep things as they are out into forever, amen. And so they killed him. He who said, love one another. He who said, feed my sheep. For they didn't want to share their bread or their wine. Now the story should have ended there, except the story has always been that our God is a God of the covenant. The good news is that in spite of our faithlessness, God is faithful, and Jesus Christ was resurrected, for God so loved the world that God gave his only begotten Son that whoever believed might have everlasting life. Listen, you who have ears to hear, listen, and sit down to bread and wine with strangers. Feed his sheep, 
love one another and claim new life in his name. There should be an amen at the end of that. I don't know how many of you read the e-weekly, but the picture that was on this week's e-weekly of the fire sky was my front yard. I see those sunsets all the time, and it still gives me tingles every time I see one of those fire sky sunsets. My granddaughter was with me, and she takes much better pictures than I do, so if you would like to see good pictures, I have them as well. But um, I don't plow through the snow to be able to get closer to see without all the yard in the way. But when we left to go to New Jersey, we left very early in the morning, and there was a shooting star, and I think I mentioned that in my article, but Emily told me, she said, you know, Grandma, I never see a sunrise because there's no way to see a sunrise where their house is situated. They don't, you know, the sun doesn't come and see the house and already up to there. So she had me stop so that she could take pictures of the sunrise from the car because it blew her away. She said, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And I said, who do you think made that happen? And she said, well, Grandma, I could talk to you about the moisture in the air and light refracting and all that kind of stuff. But she said, it really comes down to God. That just gave me a chill again. Sometimes we need to listen to the children around us. Sometimes they are the ones who know the truth. We get so caught up in our busyness that we forget that we were put on this earth to love, to care, and to dream God-sized dreams. Two words that I hear in church all the time, and not just here, but every place else I've ever been, is we can't. We can't. And if you say, why can't you? Well, we don't have the people. We don't have the money. We don't have, we just don't have the resources. We can't. And yet we look at the story of our faith. And what did God do? God sent a baby. Really? Why couldn't God have sent, you know, like a politician or somebody who was already born into a royal family that really could become a king? God knew what God was doing and sent a poor baby born in a stable. I wonder what would have happened, not that I ever wonder about anything, but I wonder what would have happened if the wise men never made their trip. Herod would never have known. Herod would have just been oblivious to what was really going on. It would have saved the slaughter of the innocents. But I also wonder 
if that star wasn't part of God's plan. And if that isn't part of the plan for us still, to look at stars and wonder what the possibilities are. If we continue to stay in a place where we're only thinking about what we can do as individuals, we're leaving God out of the equation. As individuals, we are going through life with one hand tied behind our back, trying to figure out, usually the right hand tied behind our back, and we're trying to figure out how we can manipulate all of the world with our non-dominant hand. God, as a partner in ministry, tells us we can do all things through God who strengthens us. How many of you looked to God for your strength? I spend a great deal of time thinking how totally inept and unprepared I am Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to say this. I don't know if I have any way to really convey the word of God to people who are hungry for that. I don't know what I'm going to do. Happens every single week. And then I remember that it's not about me. And that if I open myself up to the power of God, usually something halfway decent comes out of my mouth. It's a miracle. But when we get stuck in thinking that we have the answers or we know what's going to happen next or we can see the future, we've left out of our whole understanding of what God is all about. We've left God at the sideline. We have no idea what God's plan is for each one of us individually, nor do we know what God's plan is for this church in the future. But we can block it. We certainly can block it if we decide that we're not going to do anything. We're just going to sit on both hands and let nature take its course. And the sad news, my friends, is that not one of you is going to get out of here alive. Not one. We are all destined to die. That's the way we are made. And I believe with all my heart that there is a life cycle for a church as well. You can see that with First Church. But I do not understand why you can't see that for yourself. If you do nothing and just ride this out the way it is, 10 years max. And that's being generous. Something has to change here. Something has to be different. I've spent six months trying to lay some groundwork for you that maybe you could think a little bit outside the box. Boy, have I been stonewalled. You don't want to hear it, that you have to change. But look at the wise men. 
they had a dream that they were supposed to go home a different way, and so they took a whole different route, went a whole different direction. Joseph has a dream and takes Jesus to Egypt. Change of plans, folks. Went in a different way. You keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. You happy with that? Are you comfortable with that? I think you are. Where in the Bible does it say, I've called you to be comfortable, my friends? Anytime you reach out to those at the margin, you are uncomfortable. Every time. I've talked to you some about core values, and interestingly, I'm going to use my phone here. There's a little farm that's close to where I live, and they, they send out a weekly update. They, they, the best cheese I've ever eaten at Jones Family Farm. So she says here, the past few months we've been working closely with Relays to think about how we present ourselves and our products to the world. Think about that in light of the church. This husband and wife team got us to really think about our business, our core values, and what makes us truly love what we do. It was both therapeutic and revelatory and we are beyond pleased with the results. So I invite you to rethink where you are. Rethink who you are and what you're here for. Think about what it is your dream is for this church. Where do you want to be in five years? Where do you want to be in five minutes, for crying out loud? Do you want to have that transformative experience of God? Oh, I'd rather go home and take a nap. I don't think we want to change. I don't think you really and truly want to be transformed. You want to stay the way you are because you're comfortable. That's the scolding pastor coming out again, and you're going to hear a lot of that over the next six months because I'm not going to let you slide. You are paying me to push you. Sometimes I feel like I'm pushing a train uphill. Sometimes I feel like I'm the only one that really cares what the future of this church is and I'm the foreigner. But think about what it is that you really want. What is it this church could be if you were willing to dream God-sized dreams? Trust me, God does not care what color the carpet is. God does not care whether there are cushions in the pews. God cares about how you share the good news of Jesus Christ. God cares about who you invite to come here. God cares about how you love one another.
I had the pleasure and the most wonderful experience last night of being the evening host for Family Promise. It was very different from Family Promise in New York, very different. In New York, you don't really interact with the people. They eat over there, and the people who are there to be hosts sit usually in a whole different room. I think I've fallen in love with Anjay, who is a little two-year-old, who has a wicked little smile, a wicked little smile. She always looks like she's thinking three steps ahead, and I think she is. <laughs> but she lights up a room, and her mother said last night, as Anjay went off, Lizzie was almost 16. She said, we've become family here. They've only been together since last Sunday. We need to adopt some of that. Not wait until somebody proves themselves to be worthy to be in this sanctuary. Not looking at people and saying, what can they do for us? But to look at people and say, how can we be Jesus to you? How can we show you the love of Jesus in all that we are? Life is hard, folks. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you live. I don't care what kind of income you have. Life is hard. There's always disappointments. There's always things that don't go the way you plan them. But there's one constant that we can always count on, and that is the presence of God. It's always there. Sometimes we look at that as a last resort. Tried everything else, now I'll try God. But this church, which has been a mainstay in this community for years and years and years, is on the brink of being a hospice church. And if you don't see it, you need to open your eyes. You need to see where you're headed. Talk to the people from First Church and ask them how they knew. And they're having meetings to decide how they can use their resources to bring Jesus to the community. Instead of worrying about a building and all of that. How can we share what we have? It's a new year, a new time. It's time to say to God, what do you want of me? One of my favorite saints is Teresa of Avila. Unfortunately, I didn't bring her book here, so I can't give you the poem word for word. But her poem of, God, what do you want of me, a person so lowly, 
What do you need me to do? How do you want me to serve? Show me the way. I'm willing to go. There's a question that gets asked at ordination, well, ordination time, that they ask you if you're willing to itinerate, which in our tradition, pastors go where the bishops send them, <coughs> cabinets send them. And when they asked me that question, was I willing to itinerate? I said, well, up until I went to seminary, I had only lived within 30 miles of where I was born. When God called me to go to seminary, I sold my house, packed up one kid to college and took the other one with me and moved 450 miles away to start a whole new life in a place where I didn't know a soul. So I guess I'm ready to itinerate. I guess I'm willing to go where God wants me to be. Now I know that Suda has retired and is now in Cincinnati, but when he asked me to come here, I said, I can't, I'm too old and I'm too tired. That worked very well. Because God told me I needed to be here. God said, you need to go there. And what I've learned about myself since I've been here has been really important. Really important. I'm not sure whether you get anything that I'm saying, or if you just wish I'd stop. Story behind that, my granddaughter came to church with me when she was like two years old. It was an Easter Sunday, and the kids were all wandering around the church, and Grace came up to me and pulled on the bottom of my robe and said, Grandma, stop talking. <laughs> Only the choir heard her, and they were all laughing and on the floor. They couldn't stand themselves. They thought it was so funny. I didn't invite Grace to come back to church very often after that. But one of the mantras of interim ministry is that we're in charge of the process, not the results. The results are yours, my friends. And I use the term friends lovingly because you have become friends. But the work is yours, not mine. And if you want to grow and thrive, you've got hard work to do and hard decisions to make. And I don't want to hear the words, we can't. Because when you say, we can't, you're leaving God on the sideline, and you're afraid to dream those God-sized dreams. You have resources here that blow me away. Your facility is phenomenal. Your passion is phenomenal. But you're stuck. Stuck. And it's not uncommon. I don't have a cattle prod, so I can't use that to move you. But I will call upon 
the Holy Spirit to inspire you to move forward, to be willing to dream, to take that step in another direction without knowing exactly what's going to happen. Trust God, trust your instincts, and trust one another. Amen. <clears throat> We will seal this with Holy Communion. We come to this table knowing that it doesn't belong to us. This is not Wesley's table. This is not my table, that's for sure. This is God's table, open to all people who desire a closer relationship with God. You don't have to belong to the church. You don't have to even really understand all that happens. You do, however, need to desire a relationship with God. We have pieces of bread that are on a toothpick, so you don't need to touch the bread. You dip it into the cup, and then leave your toothpick in one of the little cups there. Jesus was famous for sitting down with people and having a meal. Jesus loved to be with the people that loved him and that he loved the most. It's important for us to remember, especially on this first communion of 2023, that we are part of a long line of people who have professed love for Jesus. And remember that Jesus gave us everything we need to know to move in the world. We don't need to have special degrees. We need to have a special turn of our hearts. Jesus had a meal with his closest friends, and at the end of that meal, he took bread, blessed it, and asked his disciples to eat of this bread, saying that it was his body broken for them, and to remember him every time they ate from it. And in the same way, he took the cup, blessed it, and offered it to his disciples, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant poured out for everyone, for forgiveness of sin. Every time you drink of it, remember me. And so we remember. We remember all the things that Jesus did, all the things that Jesus said. And we are part of a long line of people who have partaken of this bread and cup and have found that we are changed and transformed. We ask God to pour blessings on this bread and cup and on each of us gathered here that we might become for the world the hands and feet of Jesus. We ask that we will be transformed and moved beyond stagnation, beyond stuckness.
We ask, O oh God, for you to move us forward. May it be so. Amen.